0: Hey guys, what's up? It is Rob here today, and um, today on the Better You project, I'm joined with Joe. Joe, how are you doing today?
1: I'm really good. How are you?
0: Very good. Uh, Do you like the sound of your own voice?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I listen to myself speak all the time via podcast, via Instagram stories, so. (laughs) Do Do you re watch your own stories? Absolutely, and if anyone doesn't re watch their stories, I'm pretty sure everyone watches their own stories the most because, like, you just like to see what you are perceived as on the outside world
0: i do that sometimes when i go through my phone and i look back at like um old videos of myself yeah memories, and it's oh like, my god and you can spend s- you can spend so long analyze yeah mm, the shit out of yeah. it if people had a television channel just for themselves do you think people would watch it
1: yeah i think deep down um everyone's a little bit narcissistic just people are more heightened or more like aware of it or more um in tune with their narcissistic side than others but yeah, and I think you, so.
0: You know about psychology and stuff? I do. Know
1: a little bit about psychology, so my
0: Is everyone is everyone narcissistic to some degree? Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's a continuum, like it's not you can't necessarily ne- like categorize people as like either narcissistic or not. It's just like on this scale and some people are more more like likely to have those traits than others. So
0: what do you think when cuz this is something that um, I'm not going to lie. I follow lots of really girly um in- mm. instagram pages <laughs> of course i <laughs> well, do because they do like funny quotes and stuff like that
1: yeah absolutely you're definitely reading the captions <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. reading the captions you, you, know, you know what i'm talking yeah. about though, right? yeah right oh
0: yeah yeah but um and you know I'll, I'll i'll follow these pages because i'll have a few things that are really funny yeah then what i find then i struggle find following these pages because i feel like a lot of them are just run by um i could be wrong I don't think I am, but I feel like a lot of them are rung by girls who got their heart broken by a guy, and then they're doing like all these like subtle stabs at Absolutely. Yeah, good. Yes. So, and there's always like this um, thing that gets brought up about you know uh, people being narcissistic. Mm. So when people call each other narcissistic, do you think that's is that like an? In, do you know? Do you know where I'm going with
1: this? If they call them narcissistic, go on. What was yeah, the question? Yeah, you know,
0: like um, there's like lots of. Uh, I guess, uh, awareness of people who are narcissistic mm. nowadays on social media. Yes. Right. So, people are kind of become aware that that's like like a type of human. Yes. Um, or it gets portrayed that sort of way. But you're kind of saying that it's not that it's a type of human. It's just a, it's a human that has a... It's
1: actually like a... a oh, how do I say it? Like a personality disorder. If you were to look at it like as it's what it is clinically defined as... I think people throw around that word a lot like, oh, he's a narcissist or she's a narcissist um, because they might be like a little bit more uh, self-absorbed or selfish. That doesn't necessarily mean they're narcissists. If, if you were to look at it from like an absolute psychology p- point of view, like it's actually like quite an issue, like an actual disorder. And like narcissism is like people that are, yeah, super self-absorbed and like really, but they like, just struggle to see perspective outside of their own or like they have like very very tunnel vision about the world and like things are the world does revolve around them but they don't they don't necessarily mean for that to be that way they like literally can't see perspective outside of that so if you were to look at narcissism Uh, as a a real life clinically diagnosed narcissism but people throw that around as like you know
0: that person has narcissistic traits yeah absolutely absolutely yeah uh, so how does that work? There's a spec- There's like a continuum, a spectrum. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah. And like I said, everyone has what's, like what's elements. the opposite of narcissism? I don't know that there's a complete opposite, but um, often what gets like uh, opposed to, or people that you know, like how they say opposites attract, or like people that narcissism, narcissists attract people that are uh, either like extreme empaths. Or, like, very codependent. So, um, being super empathic means that, like, you're really sensitive to other people and you're, like, you will do, like, above and beyond for that person so that they're in, like, a comfortable position. And, like, you can feel, you feel more of, like, people's energy. So, if you're feeling really, really down, I would take that on as an empath. Um, Like, I would feel the same amount of energy um, that you're emitting. So, like, empaths are, like, very pick up on stuff so they try and fix things a lot so like they try and I guess be the the nurturer a lot of the time and codependency is um mm, kind of like on that trait line but it's more like I am reliant on others for my happiness is very codependency um so narcissism narcissists are very good at like manipulating situations so that they're always the in the power play, they like being in front all the time, um, but they're very good at manipulating situations where they it looks like they care for the other person, but they're easily able to like sway things so that they're always in the right. If that makes sense, so like they're never yeah they're never wrong essentially. And empaths and codependent people um, find it difficult to like step back and observe and go hold on actually no like that's they're like more I guess like willing to fall into that trap. So, so.
0: You're, you're saying that people who are a bit more empathetic would probably fall for someone who's... Yeah, a hundred percent,
1: hundred percent. Yep. So, and uh, as an empath, you, uh, it's like more difficult to recognize because you kind of see the best in everyone. So, and narcissism or narcissists in general are very good at, like, they're super charming. So... Uh, in general, and I'm speaking like very generalized terms here, but generally they're super charming. So initially they all like, it's kind of like a spider with a spider web and they're like very good at like luring you in. And then once you're in, you kind of like, I don't really know how to get out because they're very good at kind of like keeping you in that circle, even though there's some kind of red flags that come up if you're super empathic or super like codependent you kind of like shove those red flags aside and be like, oh, no, it's okay. I'll make excuses.
0: What are some mm. of the red flags that people should look for when they're oh, around this somebody? this is here. like a psychology <laughs> 101, this, isn't it? This, this, this is
1: supposed to be fitness, but we've this, definitely gone down. We've the, gone a different path. Th- yeah. Maybe this is
0: the path that we're meant to go down. Yeah,
1: maybe this is it. This is it. And just for for reference people, like for my credibility of my opinion, I do have a tertiary qualification in psychology and I work in the mental health space. So it's not necessarily like I'm just talking out of my own butt, but kind of half up up my own butt. But, you know, yeah, also degree qualified. It's fine. (laughs) Believe what I say. Uh, What were you going to say? Red flags. Mm, Red flags are really hard to pick up for narcissists. like I said, they're super, super charming. So they, okay, some language to pick up on is things like they will never admit their wrongdoing and they're very good at like flipping things to make it sound like you're in the wrong. Like, oh, you always do it this way or you always make me feel this way or like they're very good at flipping things and making you feel guilty.
0: Kind of like gaslighting
1: the person? Yeah. The, gaslighting is a huge um, red flag for what, sure. What is gaslighting to the person who maybe doesn't know what that mm, Gaslighting mm. is... Do you have a good way of explaining it? It's kind of...
0: Um, I think... No, I don't. I think... It's
1: really difficult to kind like, of explain.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's something that I've seen yeah. people do all, over, all throughout yes. my life. But I yes. feel like only recently did I realise maybe there was... Is there always a word, a word for,
1: it. for it? No, I feel like it's very new. And I feel like I've only recently heard of gaslighting. And I feel like it's some kind of, like, term that they've coined recently. But it's, I guess, essentially, people are very good at twisting a situation. So, you might bring up a conflict. You might have an issue with someone. And you might say, hey, like, I, I don't I really like that you've been doing... I have a perfect way of describing it. Okay, perfect. It. It's kind of like
0: it's when... Uh, Look, I probably have done this at one stage in my life. Everyone has, has Yeah, uh, everyone so has. So you, know, you and your missus mm. are having a fight for whatever reason. Mm. She brings up the fact that she saw that you were talking to other birds on your phone. You're like, <laughs> why are you going through my phone? She's like, why are you talking to other birds? And you put... The emphasis on...
1: The fact that she's gone through your phone and as it's like, you don't trust me. and As
0: opposed to being like, I'm a piece of shit. I shouldn't be talking to her. Yes,
1: That's a perfect example. Yeah. So, a flipping situations so that you're never, ever in the wrong. But uh, people that are narcissists are so, so good at it. They're so good at it that um, it's almost difficult to pick up. And then you kind of start to question, well, oh, maybe, maybe I am the wrong maybe I am in the wrong like maybe I'm the one that's not doing the right thing by checking your phone right so that's definitely happened to me before so (laughs) back in my early 20s yeah like that's that that exact situation for sure Mm. so I
0: think one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life was um I went from being in a very I think immature relationship Mm. to a much more mature relationship when I um started dating my ex-wife and i think she picked up on something like that maybe within the first couple of weeks that i did where i she brought up an issue or a conflict and then i tried to change the direction of the topic and then she just called me out called me out on it straight away and i felt like a child and i had because i have a lot of respect for lauren mm. um i do now and i did then i realized oh wow like this is something have i done this all my life and then after that i remember I realized I couldn't continue conversations in our relationship without having ownership over the actual thing that I was trying to bring up or, Mm. um, and it was one of those moments in life where I realized I've just learned a really valuable lesson, but I, I remember wondering and realizing that and, and having other relationships obviously after that where I realized, oh wow, like some people go all their lives in their relationships, never having that moment of, you know, I'm I'm. You don't even... Because uh, I don't think people realize they're it's manipulating It's not intentional
1: this. manipulation. Yes. And, and that's why I say that, like, the whole gaslighting thing is not necessarily... Like, it is a red flag for narcissism, but it's not, like, a direct causation. Like, you, are, you gaslight frequently and therefore you're a narcissist. Because sometimes people do it as, like, a learned behavior. It's like an unintentional manipulation because your whole life you've been unable to take for whatever reason it's just a learned thing that's happened you've not been able to take ownership of your actions or taken responsibility because that itself is quite daunting and quite scary and like takes people a lot of growth to be able to sit there and go if I can take out all the external variables which I keep using as excuses I can sit here and like objectively say this is my responsibility this is what I've done all else aside that's that's the responsibility. And I think to be able to sit, self-reflect like that, I think not many people have the, have had yeah. much experience or been able to sit there and do that. And I think, like I said, gaslighting is like, we've all done it because we never, no one wants to be wrong. Um, but it's being able to sit there and like reflect on yourself and critically analyze, which I don't think many people do. And so, yeah, taking, act, like, responsibility is just uh, something that you might not have ever had to do or, like, never done in your life or never learnt how to. So, yeah.
0: I'm going to say something and I don't <coughs> – I'm just going to say it and hopefully it gets taken the right way. <laughs> uh, Here we go. So, looking – you know, I I'm someone who spends a lot of time thinking about how people act and how mm. they behave and – like I just probably think too much in general, and I think from if I look at people in general i'll I'll notice when people are very uh empathetic or uh codependent and from i d- I wouldn't associate to those classifications very much myself and I see that sometimes as maybe i don't see that being so maybe like a type of behavior that is rewarded a lot in life mm. Um, I could I come I kind of see that as something that maybe could hinder you or limit you um, and even when I say that I, I kind of feel bad for that because those are a lot of those behaviors are not inherently bad they're probably inherently good things right like it's good to be empathetic of others and care for their feelings and etc but I feel like the world we live in probably rewards um, you know more narcissistic qualities a lot more so um, do people? from what you see in life, do they struggle more when they do have those empath and codependent type traits more than if somebody's narcissistic, um, maybe they tend to advance more in life. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And um, it's funny because I'm recently reading a book that actually brings that up. And um, essentially... I, you're right. I think um, the world that we live in, such a super like capitalistic world of like more is better and go, go, go on like here's the right race and you've always like, you know, it's a dog eat dog world, you've got to get on top and like who cares who you like step on to get there. I think that's the, the world, the Western world that we live in is very much inclined that way and, and therefore people that are empaths or codependent or just sensitive to um, feelings or emotion or just being able to sense things better. Sensitive in – sense, even the word sensitive seems so like, oh, it's vulnerable and, like, you know, it's demure and they're kind of like, oh, sensitive. But when you look at the word, like, sensitive, like, they just sense better. They have a better ability to sense. Yeah, I think in this Western world, it's kind of shoved aside as, as weak Um, but in saying that, like, and this book kind of sums it up really well, um, we kind of need those people in the world. Otherwise we'll continue to have this like go, go, go rat race that we, we don't actually get to stop and enjoy and admire the very simple pleasures of life, which I think those sensitive people are able to like stop and actually pick up. Senses. (laughs) Senses. <laughs> that sounds very like spiritually woo-woo, but I guess they're the people in our lives that remind us to to love more and to care more and not be so so caught up in having to do this and should do and must do and want like have to and you know constantly running that they 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 allow us to slow down. So they have a place in the world, and un- but unfortunately, I think the way that the Western world and the way that it is going which is so yeah you know highly run on trying to be the best all the time that these people do get kind of shoved aside and and not appreciated in full when they really should be um, because they do provide like a valuable point or part in the world yeah
0: mm. I have a question about um, so we I guess we live in a world where we all have an ego mm. and I think there's times where the ego can be something really powerful that can yes. help you. Mm. And uh, I don't think it's like an... In I guess sometimes there's a negative connotation rela- re- in relation to the word ego. And from my perspective and understanding, I think that's often maybe not good. Because mm. you, need, you need your ego. It's not like you need to be egoless. Yep. Uh, despite what people who drink lots of ayahuasca might want to tell you. Um, that itself is
1: an ego, though. You know what I mean? I Like... I've had this conversation a few times with people that are like in that spiritual world, and there's there's an entire image attached to that too. And so these like very yogi people going on these spiritual journeys, drinking ayahuasca and having cacao ceremonies every Sunday, they have an image, and they in in there there is a huge ego. Uh, that yeah, it's just it's just interesting. But go on. No, no, on. It's, yeah. okay.
0: So um, my point is. How does one marry their narcissistic traits mm. versus, like, having a healthy ego? Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, And I think you're spot on. I think, again, ego gets such a negative connotation. But if you were to look, again, at the very, very, you know, e- ego, that word is thrown around. Just like narcissists are thrown around as a word of, like, oh, he's a narcissist or he's got a big ego. Um, But again, if you look at it as, like, what ego was defined as in its initial phases in psychology, like, you look at Freudian psychology, and he is very much in, like, what is ego. And and it's essentially, like, a big part of yourself, like, part of your personality and your traits. And like you said, you need a level of ego uh, to – it kind of challenges you and wants you to do better, and, like, it creates, like – you know, I, he- competition is healthy and to a degree it helps you, you know, step up in life, um, and there's not necessarily anything wrong with having ego, um, and it, like I said, there's not necessarily anything wrong with having traits that are somewhat narcissistic, so, you know, being a little bit, like, a level of self-absorption, you see the best depending on what your goals are, like best business owners are going to have pretty self-absorbed views of the world. Like they, they need to be selfish because they want to, you know, achieve, accomplish things that are going to, you know, take time away from other parts of their life, you know? And I think, um, how do I, how do we make this healthy? I think, does it Does it
0: need to be healthy?
1: That's the thing. It's like, you know, when people say, oh, you know, you need to have a good, ha- healthy balance in life. Like what balance is so, so personal. It's so like, and that balance doesn't necessarily have to be like 50-50 or like, you know, like equal. It, if you want to work on some as- aspect of your life, it's never going to be in balance because you have to prioritize that area. And when you prioritize that area, some things are going to be, not prioritized or less prioritized right but that's life like in time that will change and then the priorities will differ and and i think that's what balance is so like eg someone that's super career focused and is in their late 20s for example super career focused um so let's say if you were to look at like a pie chart they spend like 70 80 percent of their life like absolutely devoted to business which means that they don't really have time for dating or they're not really like really interested in finding a relationship because they can't commit to it really. Like their lives are very business focused and, and that's fine for them. And, you know, on the outside perspective, people might go, Oh, you should find some more balance in your life, you know, go out a bit more or, um, you know, you should find a girlfriend, or boyfriend or whatever. Um, but if that person is like genuinely happy with this 80% split where they like devote their life to business right now in the here and now, this is like what they love doing, then I think that's balance. You know, like I think that in time that will change, you know, it may be in his, in his or her, I should say, mid thirties, they're going to go, hmm, I spent a little bit too much time. Like I'm happy with where this business is going, but I think I need some other things in my life. And that's when the balance will change. And I think that's healthy, like recognizing that is healthy and I don't think you necessarily have to be like, oh, I'm spending too much time doing X, especially if X is giving you joy. So, yeah. And
0: I can 100% relate to that. Mm. I feel like I spent so much of my 20s like so hungry for like, you know, being driven and vicious. Mm. And I think in the last few years I had this, you know, had a life event happen but yeah, that brought about to me this realization that I needed other things in my life and I think I've only just now – gotten back to realizing no like now and now i feel different and i feel like i'm ready to go back to being ambitious and driven and Mm.
1: and i think and and i'm glad that you've not gone and looked at it as well i'm just assuming here now um but i'm glad that you're not looking back and and going oh i regret that in my 20s i was so ambitious and i didn't um you know step back and prioritize other areas of your life
0: you know what i look at it like because now that I've realized, okay, now I'm in a place where I feel like I've got the energy to give that again, mm. going back to a lot of those habits or pursuing things again, is so much easier now because I'm like, I know what I need to do. Yes. I know the er- the work yeah. ethic involved. I know, you know, how much time t- it takes. Mm. And it's so easy to pick up because all those habits have already been formed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you'll never be able to, exactly, it's all part of the learning process and I think. Um you can't sit there and go I regret that I didn't do xyz more in my whatever time because at that time that's what you wanted to do like if you can recognize that at that in your early 20s like this this is I love this and I want to do this and like if even if it means that 90% of my life is this like that brought you joy and if if you're always I guess that sounds again so spiritually woo woo but if you're always chasing happiness then you'll never sit back and go, I wish that I did things differently. Like in hindsight, I think you'll find balance when like balance will be restored or whatever balance means to you will change in ebbs and flows in your life based on life events.
0: Now on the other side of that, someone who's really empathetic or um, Mm. codependent, how, how do they in theory view their ego?
1: Um, this is a really good question. I, 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 like you were saying, I don't necessarily find myself in that bucket of empath or, like, codependency. Um, And I think that they – everyone has a level of ego. Um, It's just that empaths and and potentially codependent people are just not as – I guess you don't see it as visibly. Um, But it is still – Okay.
0: I guess, are you saying that their ego is attached to them being, like, helpful and people... Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean, like... Yeah. So, e- there's the ego still there, it's just attached to different parts. Yeah,
1: and I think that... um But it's still ego, all the same. It's yeah. a, and, But it's just a little bit diff- more difficult to recognize because they're such, like, I guess, good... Good, and I put good in, like, inverted commas, uh like, altruistic traits. Um But that is something that they, they aspire to be, like, oh subconsciously they're like oh I have to be the the kind one and I have to be the nurturing one or the one that everyone thinks is the loyal friend or um, because that's an image that they try to uphold Um, even if it's subconscious even if they're like "Mm," say that they're not trying to be that way it's just how they are Um, it's all yeah it's interesting Um, (laughs) like how much is your personality versus how much you want the world to perceive you as that particular personality if that makes sense so I always say um, for me I'll use myself as an example uh, you know I guess people look at me and go she's like very strong very driven like very like go 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 very like to the point very like cutthroat person and I agree with that all Um, but I also think to myself often reflect back and think I wonder how much of that is like definitely me, or that I continue, like ego continues to uphold that particular image because of whatever, like I find it difficult to be vulnerable or express that because I find that is a, that I visit, like I view that as a weakness, which is not necessarily is, but, um, how much of it is just me trying to be like a perception of self or is like how much is like truly that's my behavior trait if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think mm. this kind of all goes back to that thing that you were saying at the start where we probably watch ourselves a lot through tape or <laughs> people, people are inclined to want to see themselves because you yeah. want to like. yes. see if you match up to the vision that you have of yourself. And yeah. I think this is probably why uh, criticism in general can be something that's so hard to, to mm. receive because sometimes the criticism that you face in life is so different from the idea that you'd created in yourself in your life of yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Criticism is interesting, and I think people take that so w- weirdly.
0: <laughs> How do you what are your thoughts of So we look, I'm not going to lie. I think we live in a weird time. I think it's we're such a weird time. I think we're making I think I think everything is coming out with good intentions, and I feel like we're moving towards a place of uh you know, not caring about so much bullshit like mm. we have in the past about things that don't matter. But I feel like that line has been blurred a lot. And there's weird things that we're being it's like we're being reprogrammed to think things that aren't are and vice versa. And you can go wherever you want with your head on that.
1: Very vague, it's very generalized, <laughs> but yeah, you can go where you want with that.
0: Um and <laughs> We live in a world basically where, uh, you know, we've been kind of being taught now that, uh, you know, everyone's a winner and mm. a lot of, lots of participa- participation trophies and oh and yep. blah, blah, blah. Right. Which
1: I think is bullshit. Like, I'm so glad you've said that. Yeah, I I, but do you know what? I think that's because you'd like, oh, this is going to sound bad. But, you know, like you grew up with a Spanish background. Like, yeah. Mac- yeah. And like, I grew up in like a Polish background and I often find people that I have spent time with that are like European or like different descendants, I'm like very strongly focused in those areas. I have like a very, yeah, like I said, Eastern European background, um, which is so like, think like Russian, Polish, like all of that encompassing, like there was no good try. You either, and this is my mom's like favorite quote, I think there's no good try. You either did or you didn't. And so Um, that's how I grew up. And I feel like you probably kind of similar. It was just like, you didn't get accolades for shit unless it was worth, worth it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean,
0: and not even that, I feel like it's just like, it's just common sense. Mm. And you know, I think regardless of my background, you know, and it's, it's sometimes when I hear words like narcissistic or I hear terms being thrown around the ego, like Mm. uh, being someone who's very driven in general in life, like, you know, I'm always for having this humongous fight with my ego because I want more, I want to achieve, I want to win. I hate losing. Uh, but I find that so motivating, you know, like no part of me has ever lost something and thought to myself, Oh, like that sucked, And I'm never doing that again. Like every part of me, when I lose something, like I love, I love that challenge. Right. Cause you know, that's the thing. That's like the fuel to the mm. fire. And I feel like sometimes you get really concerned about this sort of society that we're in we're coming in because I feel like we're being taught that having that, that fire or that fuel is almost like a bad thing when Mm. like, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's what you make of it. Like some really good, beautiful things sometimes come out of bad situations.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, interesting about what you said about the ego and like the whole, um, just being super critical of yourself. Like you always want a bit more. And I think that's, um, a massive, Trade of people that are I'm not saying you're a narcissist or super ego driven at all um but people that are have like a higher ego or people that are maybe generally a little bit more narcissistic deep down deep down it's comes from a, a like a insecurity of self and not necessarily that they're self insecure because they're quite usually quite successful people um, but it's because mm, they always want more they're always this, it's like they could reach a certain point. And it's never quite good enough. They'll always strip it back and can, they'll analyze and nitpick every flaw um, essentially because they're like, I want this to be better than it is. Even though this was like the initial goal, I want a step further than that. So yeah, interesting. Which again, like you said, can be fuel to the fire because they're the people that are continuously going to keep growing. Um, But this is where the empath comes in, right? And the empath and the I guess the more so codependency is a bit of an issue, but say the empath or the person that's a bit more sensitive, they're the people in the world that help you to stop and recognise just how fucking awesome can I swear on this by the yeah, way? You can yeah, say cool. It. <laughs> Too late now. Um just like how fucking awesome you've done, if that makes sense. So sometimes if people do have like like I said, the opposites attract, right? The empath and the um narcissist on their less extreme level. So like you don't have an extreme empath and you don't have an extreme narcissist, just like people that have those traits, right? That's a really good married, like very, they marry really well together because the empath is always able to show the person that's slightly more narcissistic or slightly more ego-driven, like stop and reflect on how, how well you've done so far, like how much you can like pat yourself on the back for, which are often things that, the person that's more ego-driven won't do. They'll sit and go, yeah, I did this, but it's still not good enough. Um, I still could do... like, could have done better. I could have done more. So, um, yeah. That's kind of, like, on the extreme ends, they don't work very well together because, you know, they use each other. Um, But on the, like, I guess, like, the, you know, moderate continuum, they actually work really well together. So... Now...
0: mm. I'm going to go to maybe what's brought up a lot of this conversation in my head. So, mm. over the last years, uh, I started doing jiu-jitsu. Mm. I love it. Everyone should do it. Um, <laughs> that's a rant for a different day. But jiu-jitsu taught me lots of lessons, and one of the things that I noticed in jiu-jitsu is that it's this funny sport where you come in and it it beats your ego because it tells it shows and that's probably one of the things that I really love about it, like mm. it's so it's so hard and so humbling. And it doesn't matter what you do outside of your life in that in that in that room, like all that matters is like you know uh, your ability or you know the the shortcomings that you might have in your ability, and it's like a big reality check, which i I really really enjoy. So I notice it's this sport that beats your ego down. but then I notice that people who are really good at it, right or to get good at it, you need to actually have like a humongous ego that can take a beating. But then have this like voice inside of you that goes like nah like I can get back tomorrow and I can try and beat that person or I can learn the technique better or you know it doesn't matter if I got hurt or whatever like there's all this rising to the occasion mm. so so that was probably the first moment that I realized okay there's maybe these things in life that maybe appear to be ego dissolving that actually almost almost do the opposite to the ego it, it almost makes this ego even larger than life um, and I started noticing that in lo- lots of different aspects of life, right? Like, I think that's probably what it takes to be successful in business, right? If you've ever had any business, there's lots of failures. It takes the person who's able to like ignore those failures to some degree. Like, you have to, you kind of have to be crazy. Like, you have to keep investing time, effort, money into a thing till it works, and then it works, and you're like, "Hooray!" And you hyper-focus on the one win, and you like neglect to look at the ninety-nine thousand losses you might have had along the way. Mm. And again, I started noticing, okay, there's, this is like a recurring thing. And then as of recently, I've started delving into like storytelling and the power of like, you know, how you talk to yourself and how much of a difference that makes, right? Like if you come into a situation and you, you think you've lost, like you've already kind of lost that situation. Yes. So uh, let's delve into that. And let's, I guess, talk about that from like an athlete
1: perspective. Um, I love that so much. This actually came up really recently for me, actually. Um, This whole storytelling behavior uh, and is going to definitely be a little podcast topic for me. Um, But so you're absolutely right. Firstly, about the business thing. That's what I mean. You kind of have to be somewhat psychopathic to, to oh, do a successful 100%. business person is a, yeah. a, a mild psychopath
0: yeah.
1: um, because you literally have to disattach yourself from failure. Like you fail and it's like you objectively view that and go, okay, what can I learn from this? Which is actually, like you said, it is helpful. Very, very helpful in other aspects of your life too, to sit back and go, I can critically reflect on this failure and pull out the things that I need to learn from this without like, without attaching emotion to it, without attaching, um, this is me now. I am a failure. It's not, it's just like this situation was a failure rather than saying like attaching yourself to that. Right. Um, and then like you said, you can, you you can celebrate the wins, but it's like the wins are good and we keep moving forward. Um, but storytelling and the athlete life. Absolutely. Um, like I said, it came up really recently for me, CrossFit Open recently finished. Um so people that aren't familiar 3 weeks worldwide event um once a week a workouts released you get uh judged I guess you like do the the um actual workout and then um you put it on the leaderboard and like you see where you sit in the world anyway the most competitive athletes of course go and qualify for the games but for 99% of us we're just doing it for the fun see where we sit in the world right out of like a 100,000 people So this came up last three weeks and um, people always have a very – so you can – it comes out Friday and you've got until Tuesday to do it and there's quite a few people that have two opposite views. So there's the one and done people that do the workout once, are really happy with that score, will put it on the leaderboard, that's it. And then there's people that will do it, say, on the Friday and are kind of like, oh, I could always – I can do better. I can do better than that and then retest like on the Monday morning. So – I am a one and done person and there's a reason why I'm a one and done person. Um, I always say at the end, like, firstly, I'm not going to the games. I understand people that will redo if you are like in the top 5% in the world or whatever uh, and you have a real good shot and you're an athlete and you take this in full time. I understand. But for the most part, <laughs> we're not. So don't really understand why we redo it. Two, and most importantly, um, I've told myself the story that on this Friday, when I go into this workout, I'm leaving everything on the table because I only have one shot at this. I can give you 100% of whatever it is that I can give that day. That is my 100%. I have to be happy with that. Um, and consciously, I made an effort to to really let it go at 100%, whatever that means on that day. Of course, if you were to like look at every single thing, like, oh, I could have slept better, could have had more water, could have had more nutrition, could have done blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I know that I gave it everything on that particular day. And I'm happy with that. But I think people that have the mindset of I'm going to redo, subconsciously have already told themselves on the Friday, they've given themselves the security blanket of I don't have to go at 100% because I have the option of retesting this. And I have the option of doing this again. And although they they might not necessarily be telling themselves that story, in their subconscious, they have. They've already said that to, to themselves. And I've seen these people. They're the people that have done every open workout on the Friday and then done every single workout on the Monday as well. And maybe they got slightly better. Some of them didn't do better. Uh, on the Monday and it's just like I said it's the story that you've told yourself coming into it so these people could have given 100% on that Friday but they probably sat at 85 90 knowing they could do this again on Monday um, and so that kind of deviates away from your storytelling but kind of does because, no, because
0: th- I think <coughs> I think if you're listening to this and you're maybe you resonate being like that sort of person that does do a thing, whatever that thing is, whether it's the CrossFit Open or whatever mm. pursuit you have, but you're doing it with this. But I can, I can keep trying this thing as opposed to giving it, because that's not something I've noticed. I've noticed that people who are really successful at maybe one area of their life, it carries over, it carries over to mm. other, it carries over to other aspects. Yes, like regardless of whether there's like a, a carry over it essentially, and yeah. often what I've noticed is just people have a level of, uh, commitment, dedication, or just. Like, the energy by which they bring to the thing, it's, like, it's, this, because this is a story that I've had to deal with often in my life, like, I, I do have a big, uh, should say, I should manifest it differently when I'm <laughs> saying it out loud, but in the past I've had a fear of failure, right? Yeah, yeah. Which yep. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, fear, fear of, not fear of failure, fear of success, like, okay. um. Like, I've done well in most things that I've decided to pursue in my life because yep. I'm stubborn and I stick to them, et cetera. But then, as I start doing better at them in the past, there's been lots of times where I've, uh, you know, just decided. For example, I had a successful podcast and it got too big, and I decided in the past, like, you know what, this is it. Like, that's I'm so interesting. Sabotaging it. You know? Yeah.
1: And I always call that um, people that plan to fail. um, and you're absolutely right. There, a lot of people are afraid of doing well, and that's why they will compromise by putting these like excuses. And I'm, I'll use I'll use CrossFit or like fitness an example as an example because it's easy. But like you said, it, it has such a carryover to other parts of their lives. But people put all these excuses out, um, and I call it feeding the the safety blanket. Um, so again, heard this so, and, I, and I'm and i not like, I'm guilty of using these two um, because everyone's human, um, but I at least hopefully can recognize and try and limit how much I'm telling myself that story. But the, uh, and it came up so much in the open, uh, like a workout gets released and say there's, you know, uh, burpee box jumps and whatever and you hear people go oh but oh, my knees are kind of shitty and uh, oh I haven't haven't eaten enough today or like had a really stressful day and like whatever like the breakup that I had with Johnny in 2007 is still affecting me like they'll use whatever excuse right to feed the security blanket of if I can lessen my perceived performance then I'll I'll feel like I've got an excuse for why I could do less than 100% or like less than I can give and I guess like it's that external like oh I need to push this out as external excuses to feed this security blanket so that if I don't do as well as what I'm hoping for in my head I've got this bank of like things that I could say and tell people you know, like when people, when you've asked people how they went in the open, like, how'd you go on that workout? And people don't give you the score, like straight, like, it's just not straight, like, yeah, I'm happy with it. I got this. It's always, yeah, I got this. But like, yeah, it was good. But I also, you know, like, Mm, I had a knee injury this that's, is me so knee funny. injury yeah. and it like was blowing up but it, like totally like yeah. it's fine like I was pretty happy with it considering that but like all of this and then like I had a really shit day at work but it's okay. all good I
0: think you've just made me realise the thing that I like about Jiu Jitsu mm. none of that matters mm. like you know at the end of the day who what person's better what person's not better and you know and because I get maybe because of the the nature and maybe some of the masculine nature to it mm. there's like a lot of like I don't think it's very socially acceptable to say, like, give reasons to why. That's nice. And, yeah, like, I think that's the thing I love about it. Because it's like, you know what? No, it doesn't matter if my knee is hurt or my back Mm. hurts or whatever. Like, just Mm -hmm. do with what you have, right? Because the other person probably has something that... Mm. And they're not going to sit there and... And I think that's one of the things that I do actually really dislike about the nature sometimes of... um, competitive functional fitness, (laughs) uh, people do have this, there's an an entire thing about like excuse making and, do you know what I mean?
1: Yep. And I always make a joke of, um, this is kind of taking a tangent, but kind of similar, but when people get ready for a workout and they've got like their knee sleeves, weight belt, wrist wraps. And I always say, oh, yeah, got your knee sleeves, got your weight belt, got your wrist wraps, got your helmet. Like what else are you going to put on? Like you, you're going to be fighting war for this w- wad. But like, yeah, they make a, like a bunch of excuses. And like I said, we're all guilty of it. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting here like a martyr and saying like, I've never sat there and said, Oh yeah, I'm happy with it. I got this without, putting like this security blanket of, but blah, 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 blah. Um, but I've noticed that this year, like this is my little growth perspective was that I was very adamant about doing the one and done. I'm doing one workout and I know that I'm giving it a hundred percent and I have to be happy with that. And I have been, I'm, I've sat back and said to people, I got this, I would have liked this, but I'm happy with that. Um, or I've sat there and gone, yeah, I'm. I've been working really hard on this and that showed uh and something that has always been a problem for me like for example strength in my barbell movements that's I'm taking personal responsibility of that something that I don't focus on as much and that was my shortcoming and I'm cool with that so I guess like uh mm, it comes down to this like responsibility taking thing ability to critically analyze ability to like Recognize when we're just using external excuses to mask our own behavior yeah, or our yeah. own performance. Yeah. Um, so so yeah.
0: I was listening to this. Um, I've gone. I've had. I feel like I've had a a big growth in um in how I view probably a lot of things in life, and I've decided to go back and reread certain books that I had read. Yep. Re-listen to certain lectures or seminars or people that maybe inspired me like at the start of my journey mm. um and whenever I refer to my journey I'm often I'm often referring to it from a business perspective because yep. um, that's probably the thing that I hold in the highest priority so I look back at I went back and I started listening to some of the old like Anthony Robbins uh you know talks that mm. I listened to in the past and one of the things that I reheard him say was uh you should model success like Modeling's a like really powerful tool. Like, find someone who's more successful than you, add a thing, and just copy what they're doing. Like, uh, and I remember hearing that when I was younger and not really understanding it. Like, I I, I heard what he said, and it logically makes sense. And I was like, yep. Yeah. But I'm gone. I've gone back to it, and now I've realized, especially since I've decided to start looking into the storytelling people tell themselves. Like, I've started thinking, okay, what do really good athletes? tell themselves like how do they talk to themselves like how do really good business owners talk to themselves right like because i think there's a huge part to what you're doing but there's an even bigger part to like the psychology that i think a lot of those people have behind them and i think we spend a lot of time talking about like maybe some of the the bad things people do in their storytelling what are some of the good things that people can do like let's say you're an athlete like what Mm. is what is a good story to tell yourself like and what maybe are some of the stories that you've seen really good athletes tell themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to like not say positive psychology. I think that um, it's this like whole like positive visualization and all of that stuff is like, yeah, yeah, it's helpful like to visualize success and to like run yourself through like winning an event or winning whatever it might be uh, that you're going for. And again, this is super, like, I'm going to speak from like a fitness or like an athlete perspective, but this is very, very, um, adaptable to other aspects of your life. So visualizing like the best case scenario, but also, um, I think people often don't, and this is something that's really, um, important, I think is to actually visualize the worst case scenario as well. Um, and that's, that sounds really negative. I, I realize that, but it's, how you visualize the worst case scenario and then how you are going to react to that. So if, and even like visualizing the worst case scenario, and then even just like slightly something going wrong, like something that you're fearful of, say in a workout. Okay, let's like use an example. Let's say in a workout, in an event that you're going into in a competition, There's a bar muscle-up in it, and it's something that is not your strongest movement, but it's going to be a really large deciding factor of where you're going to place. So naturally, you're going to be pretty nervous about this movement in the particular workout. So obviously, number one, visualize the positive thing. Like you're going to do really well. You're going to visualize it like being successful at this. Then worst case scenario, you don't get one muscle-up. You sit there and look at the bar, and you literally can't get up. How are you going to react at that point and I think it's your ability to sit and like I guess not be like not panic um, and how you deal with that stress initially on the floor on the comp floor Um, and then like kind of like this is realistic worst case scenario so like you might get a few but you see the people around you or the other athletes dominating the field and you're very noticeably behind Um, that's Also like, how are you gonna respond to that? So visualizing your response, I think that's something that's super overlooked. Um, I don't think it's necessarily negative. I think that's a really realistic and healthy way of like seeing that, okay, if this wasn't gonna be like all smiles and rainbows, how am I going to react on the comp floor? Um, And visualizing like staying calm and like, how am I going to respond? Um, That's one thing I would say is a good takeaway. Um, and it's storytelling again, because often the people that are going to react in a like really high stress response are the ones that are telling themselves, you're shit, you're failure. This is fucked. Like everyone's laughing at you, which they're not, but you think that because you're sitting there and like the world's watching you. Um, it's how, how you're handling what's going on between your head. Um, super important. Um, I think the best athletes are able to again critically analyze like a business owner are able to critically analyse failure and pull out the things that become learning for them personally. Um like have the have the emotional response and then take that like emotion aside and go, Okay, this is what went wrong. How can I fix this next time? How what what can I learn from this? And you look at that as Matt Fraser. Like he's done like, what was there the a the running or swimming event one year? And he was, like, dead last. And he's, like, okay, I can sit here and, like, analyse this. And the following year, I think he came, like, you know, in the top whatever, five. um And he could sit there and go, yeah, I, like, took that away, spent 12 months working on that. So, yeah.
0: One of the things that I noticed or that I've started noticing is um people's level of, it, of expectation in their storytelling. So mm. people who are really successful at a thing, it, this is going to get into like some woo-woo, <laughs> areas, right? <laughs> well, but, but I think there's a lot to like your self belief and like what you yes. expect from life. So this has happened to me a lot, right? So I have been the head coach of my gym now for like 10 years and i'm not as fit Is as i once ten was years. over 10 years yes yeah. and i'm not as fit as i once was right yeah but i still expect to be able to beat my members in t- workouts
1: isn't that funny i i understand but yeah, yeah go on
0: and i feel very uncomfortable doing so because i'm not as fit as i used to but that i'm still able to raise to that expectation to a, like a very large degree mm-hmm. and often like i'll be really like confused because i'm like I feel like I shouldn't have beat that person in that workout or vice versa. And I feel like they should do better. But there's like this, uh, sometimes the roles that you're given Mm. in life, like there's like a, yep. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. And so that's one area that I've always noticed. And I've noticed this for years, right. Where I've been like, "Hmm, this is interesting. And then I noticed that people who are very successful in let's just go period tend to be really successful Mm. because they like, being successful is what matches who they are. So they mm. rise to that thing. Like, let's say good athletes are good athletes
1: and they, yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. How, yeah. does,
0: how does the psychology of that work?
1: I absolutely agree with you. And that comes down to that subconscious, like vision of yourself. And I think and I'm going to use, <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep using CrossFit terminology, <laughs> but we're in a bloody functional fitness gym. So I can't help, but do that. Um, even, even, so we watched CrossFit Games last year and you have Tia Ketumi and Matt Fraser who are like greatest of all time, pretty much like five time winners of CrossFit Games. The worst thing that could have happened, right, is the, well, the worst thing for the other athletes that could have happened was that they changed the athlete's shirts to these like white, like in the lead, like in the lead white shirts and everyone wore like blue ones or whatever. So now we have this visual of like, these people are so far in front of you that you don't have a, you have a chance for second, third and fourth, you know, like we're already telling the story that these people are going to, these two people are going to win and they're always going to win. And we continue to tell that story. The media continues to tell that story. The athletes continue to get told that story. Tia and Matt continue to get told that story. They are number one and everyone else is going for second, third and fourth. Like it, it's like, I'm not saying that they, I'm not discounting their performance or their they're, they're amazing athletes, but I think like subconsciously, all these athletes below them are sudden like they will never think okay i can do they really fully believe that they're gonna beat Mount Fraser like do they fully believe because the world around them is telling them that that they won't, and I think like like you said, you kind of put in your place, right, and we we match the <laughs> the the perception that we're given. Um, and that, which and is so true. It's so,
0: yeah, it's so weird. And this is, cause this is the thing that, so there's levels to life, right? And mm. to level up, you have to like bypass that belief you once had of yourself yes. to a new belief.
1: And do you see how the narcissist or people that are so high ego, they're so like in like the highest ones They're really high functioning in the business realm or like, you know, six, very successful because they have like no doubt that they're, they're, they're the best you know like they are not questioning themselves like they really believe that they deserve to be here and I think the people that may not necessarily have as many of those traits are the ones that are like going oh but realistically this person's a bit better than me this one's a bit knowledgeable more than me this person's got more money than me these people have more resources than I do Uh, and suddenly put themselves in this hierarchy, whereas the people that are like super narcissistic are like, no, I I actually, beside the point, there probably is people, like are people that have more money or more smart or whatever successful than I am, but I actually think that I should be up there. Like I fully, 100% believe that I should be at the top. Yeah, no, no, um, I
0: I 100% understand what you're saying. They live
1: with rose-tinted glasses, but in a way that's so... Powerful for them, and such a—it's a good thing for them in terms of going places, essentially. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. No. I a hundred percent. I know what you're saying probably more than I feel like I should know what you're
1: saying. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, this is me. (laughs) No, no, but like
0: I do. Like I, and this is me being very vulnerable here. But Mm. you know, like, and I feel like there has to be more people like this, right? Like, I don't think I don't think I'm the only one like this, but I. Don't feel like I've ever gone through life being like I shouldn't. I've, I've always gone through life. And I had like a really good uh, mom who maybe grew my ego too big, but I've always gone like, well, if someone else has done it, why can't I do it? Right? Which is like, we're both awesome. Same, same, yep. right? Yep.
1: Um, and Did you put me in the same basket as you just said? No, I didn't. <laughs> Go on. Um,
0: and I think one of the biggest struggles I've had And I think this is, I think it's, everything happens for life, uh, in life for a reason, right? Mm. Like, I really like that, you know, in life I'm a coach and one of the biggest things that I always want, like, to do for my clients and athletes is, like, I want them to believe as much as I believe in them. And that, but that belief comes from, like, because I recognize all those things, like, with all the movements right when you teach them to new people yeah i'm like look i know i'm a really shitty i'm not very good at moving like i'm not very coordinated wasn't naturally very strong mm. but if i could do it you can 100 percent do it yeah i can, I can recognize i'm like well this person's 10 times more athletic than
1: but I but do was. you think that comes more from like you've built up um such a high level of self-efficacy like self-efficacy efic- means for everyone um your belief that you are competent enough to do a certain thing so yes the m- exactly the more and I know, that and you I know do that, that and i know
0: that mm. but that's the thing i'm like i've realized that it's not about because people put all this people put the emphasis on the physical thing when i realized that the emphasis should be on the mental thing mm. like i realized that at a really young age that it's yes. just, just do the thing right and the more you do it the more you realize now you're a you part do of it that. yeah and
1: and I think that's why it's so important. And like you were saying that you went into um, like dance and into jujitsu is being a beginner frequently, especially as an adult is both humbling and also very good at um, translating into life that you building self-efficacy, like your ability to learn a new behavior and learn something new and then actually kind of get good at it. Um, and that's why I like always promote people to to go into like functional movement or anything that like maybe not doesn't necessarily have to be movement based but um obviously I'm gonna promote that but anything that like lights their fire but they're not necessarily good at so instrument playing or whatever as an adult because that builds self-efficacy and the more that you build that the more that you can then tap into that into other areas of your life like you can suddenly go, "Oh, if I learn a new language from being able to just say hello in Italian and now I can speak like full phrases, that's building my self efficacy like I can actually do that, so why can't I do that in other parts of my life?
0: A hundred percent and I feel like because I am a coach this will come I'll come across people in all different aspects of yeah. my life and i'll I'll see people often that I feel like need help or need like that little bit of guidance and the first thing that I naturally go to is like Start going to a gym. Show me that you can be disciplined. Like, show your, don't show me. Show yourself Self, that you yeah. can be disciplined. Mm-hmm. Like, show yourself that you can stick to something. Like mm. Because that that actually will translate to so many other aspects of your life. Or it's yes. even why, you know, and maybe this could be, I'll get you in again for another podcast <laughs> before you leave. Uh, like, it's like dining, right? Like, mm. you know. I think there's there's a lot you can learn about yourself when you take yourself through a diet. Yeah. Not, maybe not because of like the actual act of dieting, but because of all this entire thing, you're going to realize that there's, you know, why you're doing it. You know, you're going to realize that your willpower is actually very limited and you need to create really interesting storylines inside of your head to get yourself to stick to something. And mm. um, some people are able to do it and some people really struggle with it. Mm. And almost all of the time, you know, to the point now that, when i work with people especially like with the nutrition and training like so much of what i really want to do with the client is i like, like i'm like i need to get to know you like i need to know what bullshit you're telling yourself cuz and as as now that i've done it for longer probably the last years i've probably finally become a bit more comfortable just calling people out on things that i've just started noticing i'm like yeah or I, or even more for example i've started noticing people's um you know, sometimes I'll notice people have a partner who doesn't want them to match the view that they have of them.
1: That's so huge. And then
0: that partner will impose this image of themselves, even though they're trying really hard. Because it's hard enough to change your belief of yourself if you're doing all the right things. Then you include other people that are trying to, like, change you back to the, your old beliefs. Yeah. And it becomes, like, this incredibly challenging... Um,
1: if you don't have the support network, it's very hard. And that's, I think, like you were saying... You've had a mum that's been super supportive of, like, building up, I guess, building up your self-belief. Um, and so I guess you've had someone that's always said, yeah, if you want to do that, go for it. You can do that. Go. Like, do it. Um, and I think, similarly, like, my like my dad was very similar to that in the sense that, like, he almost humoured or entertained whatever I kind of wanted. So I, I always use this as an example, um, bit of a tangent, but I was, when I was, like, seven, we went to the Gold Coast and I live there now. Um, but I went there and just like fell in love. Like I was, I said to my parents, I I don't know when, but I'm going to live here. And I'm I'm telling you I'm going to live here. And I got home and I was seven, right? And I'm sending dad real estate listings, right? I'm like looking up properties <laughs> and sending them to my dad, like emails. I'm like, dad, look at this place. And he instead of saying, like, like a normal, reasonable adult, which is fair to be like, this is, stu- what are you doing? We're not moving. Like, don't be ridiculous. Like, why are you looking up places? He would say, he would like entertain it. He'd be like, oh no, look, like, you see the price isn't very good for that location. And like, m- try and look at something that's this price. Not that we ever moved or that we're ever going to move, but this like whole, like, oh shit, this could actually happen. So I'd like get into it. So I think it's this whole like, I think that's
0: I think that's so important to people. And, you know, it makes me really sad when I realize that some people don't have that at all in their lives. They don't mm. have that. Yeah. And if you don't, like, you need to get yourself people in your life that... I think one of the worst things that I've noticed in my life is... Like, I have... In in life, I feel like I've, I've grown the people i have been around several times over. But there'll be people in my life that maybe for different reasons or different priorities in life, like, we're still associated. Mm. And, you know, like, it's it's such a... I feel so, like, claustrophobic around some of those people that have these really big limiting beliefs about what you should or shouldn't do with your life or how you should live your life or, um, you know, for example, like, I've enjoyed the freedom of, like, I don't have a conventional work life, right? Mm. Like, some days I don't have to do very much. Some days I do have to do a lot. Mm. Um, and a lot of that onus is, like, just based on how much I want to work. Yeah. And when I'm around people who are very comfortable with themselves, like, it's not a thing, but then if I'm around a lot of people who have, like, kind of grown up in this life of you have to work nine to five and if you're not working hard, then you're being lazy. And I know it ma- I can tell it makes them uncomfortable and, you know, I'm, naturally, I don't like hanging around those people, right? Whereas when I'm around people that I think are very comfortable with what they're doing, me living my best life at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday just because I can does 't bother them do you know what I mean yes um, so much and and I noticed that some of these people from my past like uh, you know like especially for yourself you'd get this right with like your psychology background like you can see them like oh like you have all these beliefs that are like controlling like your ability to like I don't want to say move forward but they're controlling you in your life um, and you don't have a lot of people in your life that are telling you you can do something like, mm. and maybe that's all you need right yes so I think a big thing if you listen to this, is get yourself some people in your life that are yes people, you know?
1: Yep. I absolutely agree. And it's, um, you kind of become the product of the, like most, like the five people that you kind of surround yourself in, right? So, and naturally these people that have like these very limited views of the world, probably grew up with those kind of meant like that mentality of like you need to get a job you need to get a house you need to get a like have a mortgage have kids and and that's fine like it's not if that's what you want to do I think that's totally fine but I think the people that are getting riled up about you having a living your best life Tuesday on a 2 p.m. in the afternoon and going oh you're not working very hard or whatever are kind of like Subcon- like, deep down, they're kind of, like, sad that you're doing what they're afraid to oh, go no, and 100%. do. Oh, no, Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, like you said, go and find people that will literally say to you, you know what? Like, what is it that you want to do? And, like, go and start using it. Do it as a passion project. See how, you, like, do you want to do this really? Like, um f- yeah, find the people that are going to just be, like, literally be like you woo girls. And, um like... A few of my closest friends are, yeah, definitely work in the space of like like business ownership and have to work for themselves, and they love it because it's it's there's a lot of creative like creativity and creative free flow that comes from that, and we often exchange like ideas and information, and, and we're each other's woo girls. Like we like she goes and do like does something, and I'm like, yeah, I'm fully supportive of this. Like go and like make a freaking ebook. I don't mind. Like go like. Um, and I think you need people like that rather than the people that are saying like, Oh, what is that going to give you? Like how much money are you going to make from that? Like, I don't know, maybe zero, maybe like thousands. (laughs) Yeah. But you need people that are going to like fully root for you on the way.
0: Fun fact. Um, me and Lauren just released an ebook yesterday. Oh, true. <laughs> there you go.
1: Woo!
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we just had a little ad up, and um, yeah, there's been 22 downloads around Australia. That's awesome. Um, quite. That's a good, so good. Yeah, At quite a little good little small ad budget. Yep. So, that's funny that you brought that up as a thing. <laughs> um, yes, I think people need you need good support around you, and you 100 percent are like the net. You are, you do become the people you uh, surround yourself around mm. the most. Um and if you don't have that like i think it's really important to maybe listen to uh listen to things that are supportive of your ideas and your dreams
1: yeah definitely definitely it's just um it's like feeding The storytelling, right? It's just, like, feeding yourself with, like, all of this goodness that's going to propel you into the direction that you want to go into. So, like, listening to podcasts, reading books that are, like, motivating even. And it sounds really, like, again, so spiritually woo-woo. But the more that you drown your brain with that, the more it becomes, like, very much part of your life. Exactly, And you do. Like, Mm. you need...
0: If you don't have that psychology naturally to you, like, Mm. you need to, like, brainwash yourself into a better headspace. Like, you... I don't know. Some people just think really shitty thoughts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't don't even recognize that you're
1: doing it. Um, It's just like part of your nature to be dwelling or negative or like even the way that, you know, people that like, you like say, hey, how you doing? And in like straight away, they're like, oh, like woke up, biggest headache, haven't had a good sleep, like worse sore back. Like they can't even say you know what like yeah I'm pretty good like this is a good thing that's happening with me today like they don't even know inadvertently that they're just complaining the whole day um but that itself is telling you this continuous story that like life is shit and I'm limited with what I can do you know so yeah 100% percent mm.
0: There we go. Um, I think I'm going to call this podcast yep. Emotional Huge. I- Intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> EQ 101. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for coming on today, Joe. Thanks if, for having if me. people would like to find you, where can they do so?
1: Um, you can find me on Instagram at Joe Turek and um, you can also listen to, to my podcast. It's called You Can't Say That. Um, yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, good. Thank you for listening today, crew. Um, yeah. Please give the podcast a good review on iTunes. And um, yeah, hope you enjoyed today. Take care and peace.